G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. This is important. You've got to be able to enunciate and explain to people why we bring this message. Hi, and welcome. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we're in a new series called Now. Pastor Jeff brings us this first message, Death and Life, from John chapter 14, where Jesus claims he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus comes along and says, you got it all wrong, man, because humanity's not the standard. I'm the standard. And if you got 99.9% good, you're still separated from me because I am a holy God. And what most people do is severely overestimate their own goodness and severely underestimate the holiness and goodness of God. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and here's a new message called Death and Life. Uh, as you turn to John 14 and get ready for our text, I want you to, I want you to know that there is no greater endeavor, no greater cause, uh, no greater reason to sacrifice and to be generous than to help people who are far from God come near. Amen? Man, that's what we do. Now, because we're taking a turn now, And we're going to the next phase of the life of our church. We're starting a series called Now, meaning that now is the time for us to take the next step. And there are seasons in life and ministry that we do that. And you have to stop and ask the question, why is it so important that this valley know about Jesus? Why don't we just go on with our lives and have our beliefs personal to us and kind of leave everybody else alone? You know what I mean? Let's just believe what we believe and go on with life. And of course, the answer to that was spoken by Jesus himself in John 14 when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And he says, if you really knew me, you know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, this treasure that we're taking, and it's a great time to pause, stop here just for a moment. This treasure that we're taking, that that we found, imagine finding a treasure, but... In order for you to give it to other people, at first it seems highly offensive because that's the treasure that we're taking to the valley and to the world beyond. Why is it offensive? Well, because we are living in a world where tolerance and inclusivity are the highest values. You can do just about anything you want, but you can't be intolerant and you can't be exclusive. And yet Jesus comes along and says that he's incredibly exclusive. He says, there is no other way to the Father than through me. And that message, when it's given to the people around us, is highly offensive. Part of the problem is that tolerance and inclusivity used to be defined this way. We used to say that to tolerate someone meant that you could have differing ideas and opinions, but there was never a reason to discriminate or to persecute anyone. And we agree with that. Just because someone disagrees with us, there shouldn't be any persecution. You should be able to believe whatever you want to believe without fear of being persecuted for it. 
That's the appropriate definition and the historical definition of tolerance. You and I can disagree, but we still love each other. But we have changed it over the last 20 years. Now we've stopped saying that tolerance means that people are equal under the law. Now we're saying that ideas are equally valid and equally true. That you can hold an idea that I can't come against because somehow it's offensive to you if I disagree with your position on a certain truth. Now, the problem with that is, is that yes, we agree people should be treated equally under the law, no matter what they think or believe, but it's loony to think all ideas are equally true or equally valid, especially when they diametrically oppose each other. Now, so why would we as Christ followers have a message of exclusivity in a world that's going to struggle with it? And the answer basically is simple, isn't it? Number one, because Jesus claimed exclusivity and backed it up with the historical reality of the resurrection. Here's the thing. If you rise from the dead, you deserve to be heard. I mean, second, there are major fundamental issues with inclusivity as defined, all ideas are equally valid and true. Now, this first part, the first part of the message is going to feel like a root canal. This is important. You've got to be able to enunciate and explain to people why we bring this message. Because inclusivity, first of all, the way we define it as all ideas are equally valid and true, violates the foundation of reason and debate. Think about it. Two statements made about the same thing that diametrically oppose each other cannot both be true. It's impossible. If I tell you my wife is pregnant, half hour later I tell you my wife is not pregnant, there's no way both of those statements can be true. Unless it dies the death of a thousand qualifications, those statements both at the same time cannot be true. They are diametrically opposed toward one another. So you have the Christian message that comes along, Christ followers, the Bible, Jesus himself, claims to be the son of God who died for the sins of the world on a cross. Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. I pre-existed Abraham, says Jesus. In other words, Jesus, according to John 1, 3, was actually taking part in the creation of all things. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing has been made that was made. The Bible says he's the creator and sustainer of all things. The Bible says in Hebrews, sorry, the book of Genesis, God speaks and says, let us make man in our own image. Who's us? The, the very name of God, Elohim, is plural to let you know God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the Bible is very clear that Jesus pre-existed Abraham, that he's part of the Godhead, that he was involved in creation. And Jesus' message is very clear that the only way you can come to the Father, the only way you can be saved is by grace and mercy, no merit of your own. So salvation is not something that can be earned. And a relationship with God occurs outside of religious effort so that your hope and your future reside in a deep relationship with God the Father. Now, Be careful how you look at this because I have a great respect in one degree for my Muslim brothers. I still have a lot of conversations with Buddhists and people in Islam and Hinduism. I was given a book when I was in India, Why I Am a Hindu, and I'm reading the thing from front to back to understand people who disagree. But understand that my Muslim friends will tell you that Jesus is not the Son of God, that it's blasphemy even to suggest that. That it's impossible for God to have a son, that Jesus is not God. He was merely a prophet and a teacher, equal to but not greater than Muhammad. He did not die for the sins of the world. In fact, as far as I know, historically speaking, Islam is the only movement that denies Jesus died on a cross at all. And the fundamental teaching of Islam is salvation is based on merit, not grace. One is saved by keeping the five pillars of Islam, 
by traveling to Mecca, if at all possible, and by being a good person and submitting ultimately to the will of Allah. So again, logically speaking, two statements made about the same thing that diametrically oppose each other cannot both possibly be true. You cannot say Jesus is the son of God who died for the sins of the world and then say Jesus is not the son of God and he did not die for the sins of the world and both of those statements be true. They are mutually exclusive. You with me so far? Headache's almost over. Two, two, inclusivity works under a false assumption. And the assumption is this. Religions of the world are fundamentally the same, only superficially different. Most people who know nothing about religions will say this. They're all the same. No, they are fundamentally the same, only superficially different. When the opposite is true, they are superficially similar at best and fundamentally at their core different. Joe Klein writes, anyone who believes that there are inferior religions is a right-wing extremist. Now, do we really want to say that religions who offer child sacrifices are not inferior? You say, wait a minute, Pastor Jeff, you're taking an extreme. We're talking about the major religions of the world, Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, Christianity, Islam. They're all fundamentally the same. No, they're not. They fundamentally contradict one another at their core. The problem is in Western society, the Christian is usually the one who takes the hit as we're the only ones being accused of claiming exclusivity. But that's because most of the world has a a lack of understanding where the five major religions of the world are concerned. Just one example quickly, Gautama Buddha was born a Hindu. Did you know that? And he renounced the two fundamental doctrines of Hinduism, the the authority of the Vedas, the Hindu scriptures, and the caste system. Uh, He did not agree or accept these things, and he began his own search for enlightenment, uh, came up with the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path and extinguishing of desire in some kind of nirvanic pursuit. Buddhism was born out of the rejection of Hinduism and its core beliefs, major fundamental doctrines associated with it. Buddhism is exclusive. Hinduism, exclusive. Islam, exclusive. Atheism, in fact, is extremely exclusive in its claims. It denies, it categorically rejects anything to do with the supernatural. It says that the entire world is a material world only. In fact, you've heard me say that atheism is a logical impossibility because atheism postulates an absolute negation. It says there absolutely is no God. And the only way you could know that there absolutely is no God is to have absolute knowledge of the universe, which no one has. There was a debate one time. Now, stay with me. Those of you who hate this kind of thing, you just pay attention. I'll get to your stuff in a second. Remember what we're trying to do here. We're trying to help people far from God come near, and they're going to have these questions. And so a Christian uh, philosopher was in a friendly debate with an atheist, and it came to a point in the debate where the Christian philosopher said to the atheist, look, if I draw a circle, and this represents the entirety of our universe, how much of the universe does science really understand? And thank God, (laughs) pun, the atheist was honest. And he said, well, I would say we understand about this much. And this is what I've been trying to say over the last few months. There's so much we do know, but man, there's so much we don't know, the vastness of the universe. So the Christian philosopher took the pen and said, okay, can you not at least admit that it's possible that God is in this area out here? That there's so much you don't know yet. Thanks for joining us here on Today with Jeff Vines. Pastor Jeff is preaching from John chapter 14, where Jesus says he is the way to God. 
What does this mean for other world religions or indeed the beliefs of those who deny a God exists? Here's Jeff as we continue the message, Death and Life. Now, atheism is extremely exclusive, and the new atheists actually want to eradicate all religion from planet Earth because they say if they can eradicate all religion, that the world will have peace. Now, here's my first question. What happened to tolerance and inclusivity? Alastair McGrath points out, the 20th century gave rise to one of the greatest and most distressing paradoxes of human history, that the greatest intolerance and violence of that century were practiced by those who believed that religion caused intolerance and violence. Lenin, Stalin, Hitler, Pol Pot, all pragmatic atheists. Atheism has taken far, far more lives than any misguided Christian or religious person ever thought about taking. And here's the point. All religions are not fundamentally similar. They are superficially similar at best and contradict each other at their fundamental cores. And you've heard me say that just because two things have something in common doesn't mean they have everything in common. I have ears. Elephants have ears. That doesn't make me an elephant. Stephen Turner, an English journalist, said, we believe, look, how, look at the humor in this. We believe that all religions are basically the same, at least the ones we read were. They all believe in love and goodness. They only differ on matters of creation, sin, heaven, hell, God, and salvation. (laughs) When we define inclusivity as all ideas are equally valid and equally true, it violates the foundation for the reason for debate and logic itself. It works under a false assumption. But third, I've never really met a true inclusivist. They don't exist. My next-door neighbor in New Zealand, I've shared with you, I shared my heart with him. It took about four hours, and at the end of it, after offering these truth statements and what I believed were objective, subjective, and empirical evidences, looked at me and said, hey, Pastor Jeff, if that works for you, great. Forget about truth. If it works, if it makes you feel better, great. So my immediate response was, really? What if child sacrifice works for me? Is that Okay. What if robbing banks works for me? What if starting a cult and abusing children works for me? Is that okay? Well, his response was, well, I'm an inclusivist. All religions are equal. And I said, really? Jim Jones? Charles Manson? He said, well, every, everyone except those. <laughs> All worldviews are exclusive at some point because truth by nature is exclusive. It excludes all that is false. So I asked my friend Phil, I said, hey, what religion are you? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you said all religions are equally valid, equally true. Which religion do you follow? He said, well, I'm unaffiliated at the moment. And this is what I've learned. People who claim that all religions are equally valid, equally true, are not affiliated with any. Fourth, almost over. This is a big one. The reason Christians are often discriminated against in our common world today is because we are seen to be arrogant. Okay? They'll look at a Christ follower and say, you guys, you think you have the way to God. Now, this goes a long way back. Even in the 1950s, there was a missionary in Africa who was confronted with this illustration that I'm about to give you. Somebody came to him and said, hey, look, this thing about you knowing the truth, the reality is that religion can be compared to three blind men approaching an elephant. The first blind man feels his way around and touches the trunk of the elephant and therefore says, elephants are long and flexible creatures. The second blind man happens upon the leg of the elephant and says, no, they're not. They're thick and round like a tree trunk. 
And the third blind man reaches the side and says, no, elephants are large and flat creatures. And then the would-be philosopher said, religion is like elephant, the elephant, and the three blind men. They all grasp part of the truth, but none of them have all of the truth. Now, do you understand what's wrong with this example? The only way you could know that each of them has part of the truth is if you yourself have the whole truth, that you see the whole elephant, which you're claiming to claim would be arrogant and a sense of superiority. Tim Keller describes this better than anybody in his book, The Reason for God. He says, skeptics believe that any exclusive claims to a superior knowledge of spiritual reality cannot be true. But this objection is itself a religious belief. It assumes God is unknowable or that God is loving but not wrathful or that God is an impersonal force rather than a person who speaks in scripture. In addition, their proponents believe they have a superior way to view things. They believe the world would be a better place if everyone dropped the traditional religion's views of God and truth and adopted theirs. Therefore, their view is also an exclusive claim about the nature of spiritual reality. If all such views are discouraged, then this one should be as well. If it is not narrow to hold this view, then there's nothing inherently narrow about holding to traditional religious views. What he's saying is these accusations that exclusivists are arrogant really self-destruct Because those who accuse Christians of arrogance are they themselves claiming a more superior way to look at God and religion. And finally, and this is a short one, inclusivity claims that it's impossible to know anything with certainty. Now, I've mentioned this so many times, I don't need to tell you the story. College guy comes into my office, Pastor Jeff, I like you, but it's impossible to know anything with certainty. My response is, are you certain that it's impossible to know anything with certainty? So... (laughs) Self-destruct. Okay, now, raise your hand if you felt like you just had a root canal while being forced to listen to country music. That's... (laughs) Here's what I like to say to people, and it's important that you go through that. It's important that you hear that. Jesus may be exclusive, but he's the most inclusive exclusivist you're ever going to find. Because no matter where you're from, no matter what language you speak, no matter what you've done, where you've been in the past, all are welcome. One and all are welcome to the table of God. Like Delmar says in my favorite movie, Old Brother War Art Thou, come on in, the water is fine. <laughs> now, once we expose the idea that this kind of inclusivity that suggests that all ideas are equally valid and equally true is bereft of logic and practicality, then we can look at the real issue. What is the core? What is the? You know, it's one thing to say, okay, Christianity is coherent. Any worldview has to answer two questions. It has to, first of all, be coherent in origin, meaning, morality, destiny. That means it has to be consistent in his answer to those issues. But the second thing, any worldview, any faith system has to be existentially felt. In other words, the question is, how does that change anything? So what? So Jesus is the way to go. How does that impact my, how does that affect me? Well, the, The beautiful part of this message is that the reason it's exclusive is that the gospel basically tells you that if you think you can be accepted by God on the basis of how good you are, you're in big trouble. All world religions tell you you've got to have more good than bad to be accepted before God. And if I ask people to write their names on which half of the 100% goodness and 0% goodness scale... I've never met anyone yet that put their name below the 50% mark. Why? Because the assumption is unless you have more good than bad, you're going to go to hell. Jesus comes along and says, you got it all wrong, man, because humanity is not the standard. 
I'm the standard. And if you got 99.9% good, you're still separated from me because I am a holy God. And what most people do is severely overestimate their own goodness and severely underestimate the holiness and goodness of God. And so Jesus comes along and says, I got good news. Now, it looks bad at first because no man or woman can measure up. I can't, you can't, no one can. But Jesus says there's another way that God is holy and that requires him. You would expect God, if he existed, to be righteous, pure, and holy. Would you not? You wouldn't expect God to struggle with sin. (laughs) You would expect that God to be a God of judgment and justice, even delayed justice, but justice nonetheless. And so the Bible tells us you're right. God is holy, and that requires him to separate himself from all sin. The problem is you're a sinner. Did you know that? We're sinners. We become the objects of the separation of God, not the community of God. Fortunately, the Bible says God is also love, and he wants to show us grace and mercy and forgiveness. The beauty of this is how can God meet the requirements of both sides of his nature? He can't violate one while keeping the other because he's God. He's complete. He's whole. And the answer is that the beautiful, brilliant, in the mind of God gospel, he sends his son. His son takes all your sins, past, present, future, nails them to the cross. So the requirements of God's holiness are met and the requirements of God's love are met as well because instead of you dying, he gave what was most precious to him so he would not lose you. He turned his back on his own son so he would never have to turn his back on you. That is the gospel. And you will find this Good news nowhere in ancient history, modern history. You will find this philosophy in no other religious system that you are saved by grace because of someone who did something for you rather than you trying to be good enough to earn favor with God. And the reality is if if you believe that Christianity is an accurate reflection of the nature, the workings, the doings of God, that means that all other religious systems are erroneous in their statements about God because they diametrically oppose the fundamental core of Christianity. Thanks for joining us here on Today with Jeff Bynes. We'll continue death and life and the discussion around Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life next time on the show. So please join us again. The problem in the West is you're no longer open to dreams. You're going to feel things you've never felt before. Sometimes you're going to be in a worship service and God wants to overwhelm you with his presence, but you think you had some bad lasagna the night before. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.